Isaiah 40, verses one, uh, 3 through 5. But before we jump in and read that, I want to explain. Last week, we jumped and dived into the book of Nehemiah. We read Nehemiah verses 1 through 4. And in those verses, Nehemiah, that I keep collecting and keep compiling from my own devotions and sometimes of teachings that I've taken down. And I just keep adding to it. And I don't show that to boast or anything like that, but I want to show you I practice this what I preach. And I cannot pay attention in a Bible study without a pen and paper. And so when I went and sat into Pastor David, this was like five years ago or so, and I didn't have a note or a pen, I was like doing the head nod. Like, you know, in the first Cars movie where like the truck, the semi-truck's like falling asleep and the cars come up by, I'm like, oh, we got a nodder. You guys remember that? Like that was me during the teaching and I was going, oh, and I just could not pay attention. And I'm a full-grown adult. <laughs> so how much more for you? So I want to equip you first how to take notes, and then why we should take notes, okay? So everybody, open up your notebooks, put your name in the very front of your notebook, that way you don't get it mixed up because they're all identical. <laughs> put your name in it, that way you don't get it mixed up, and make it a point to bring it each and every week, okay? Put your first name, put your last name, put the date, put your social security number. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, now that you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is before the Bible study. Taking notes starts before you get in the classroom. When you're at home, you gotta grab a Bible, you gotta grab your notebook, and you gotta grab a pen or a pencil, correct? That's where it starts. And if you don't come prepared, then you're not gonna receive much. We have to prepare to meet with the Lord. We have to prepare. And that brings me to Isaiah. So if you're taking notes, write down Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. This is what it says. Verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh, not some flesh, not just the Jews, all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's funny because as I was preparing and praying about this, this is actually what I came across in my own personal devotions as I was going through the book of Isaiah. And basically God said, put this in my lap and says, hey, I want you to share this with junior high. If you were going to meet somebody famous, rich, that's a big influencer, maybe it's your favorite YouTube star, and it's tomorrow, wouldn't you get like ready? put on your nice clothes, you would take a shower, put on deodorant, shave, do your hair. You would prepare, right, to meet with that person. And if it's really important to us, we might even prepare the night before. How many of you guys actually prepare the night before and you lay out your clothes? Really? All of you guys prepare the night before? That's interesting. I don't. I do it the morning up normally. And so we get ready the night before in expectation for the next day. 
See, a lot of us stay up late on the weekends, playing video games, hanging out with friends, watching TV or Netflix, YouTube. But when Sunday comes around, we're tired. And we're yawning, we're like, oh, our stomachs are growling. And we're not ready. We're not prepared to come. See, we prepare to travel, right? When you're going on vacation, it's almost like you need a vacation from the vacation because you're preparing and then you're like unpacking and then you're like tired. You're constantly preparing. You're preparing for school. You're preparing, you prepare for camps, different events, like the pool party that we had. You got to bring your trunks. You got to bring something to eat. How much more so if we're going to meet with the living God? If, if God were to show up today at this moment or next Sunday or the following Wednesday, wouldn't you want to be prepared and ready? What if I would say, I think all of us have different issues and problems going on. Think about the biggest problem in your life at this moment. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's somebody that you're dealing with. What if I were to say at the next teaching on Sunday morning, that problem's going to be answered in the setting? Wouldn't you come with a pen and paper and be like, all right, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear the solution to my problem and my issues. See, that's the thing. Every Wednesday when we come, Every Sunday when we gather together, God wants to speak. And I know that God is so good that he is speaking constantly. See, church is not just this religious thing that we do. It's where we gather together to fellowship, to talk about the Lord, to praise God together, but most importantly, to meet God here. Yet we don't view church that way. Sometimes we view it as a place to hang out with our friends. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. Friends are good. We all need friends. God created us as relational beings. But we need to be prepared to meet with the Lord. Verse 3 says, prepare the way of the Lord. Which means Jesus is coming, so lay out the red carpet. That's the idea. Jesus is coming, so make sure everything's in order. See, knowing that we had the pool party um, on Sunday, we had to get our house ready. So I was cleaning my bathroom. I was cleaning outside. I was getting ready to welcome you into my house because I didn't want you guys to see our pigsty. <laughs> and then last night, we actually had a trail of ants going from my parents' bedroom across the carpet into my bathroom. And so we had to clean that up too. You're constantly cleaning. But prepare the way. The Lord's coming. He wants to meet with his people. So how are we to prepare the way of the Lord? How do we prepare to meet with Jesus? By removing every obstacle in the way. By removing every obstacle. Now, do you think all of a sudden there's this big boulder on the path and God stops and hits the boulder and goes, oh man, I can't pass the boulder. <laughs> I guess I'll turn around and just walk away. Do you think God really can't just overcome the boulder? See, verses three and four are not talking about literal roads. It's actually talking about our hearts. Verses three and four is talking about our hearts. He says, prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare your heart to receive Jesus. Ezra chapter seven, verse 10 says, for Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. He said, you know what? He had his own Bible and he goes, I'm preparing my heart to seek Jesus, to seek God through the word. The question is, how do we prepare our hearts? 
how do we get our hearts ready to welcome the Lord? Well, I'm glad you guys asked. <laughs> it's mentioned here in Isaiah. It's by removing those obstacles. It's by removing those obstacles. So we have, the question we have to ask is, what obstacles are in the way that need to be removed in order to, for the Lord to be received? Now, let's just be practical for a moment. If it's a Sunday morning, how many of you guys honestly do not eat breakfast? Wow, I do, I can't, I have to eat. I was telling Abby on Sunday that I get up at 5 a.m. for most Sundays, and I'll usually have oatmeal or something, but I always eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Because if I don't eat, like my stomach will growl, I'll get hangry and cranky, and I can't pay attention. And so maybe hunger could be an obstacle in our path because we're thinking about, man, I can't wait till we go out to eat with my family and friends afterwards. And we're thinking about food in the process. Maybe we're tired. How do we prepare our hearts? I would say first and foremost, by confessing and repenting of sin. See, these verses here in Isaiah are actually fulfilled in the life of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist came before Jesus, he was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. He was the voice crying out in the wilderness to everybody else, saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And it said all the areas in Judah and around the Jordan River came confessing their sins and getting baptized. So confessing means to agree with God about your sin. And so if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. And there's no argument with him. And to repent is to literally, we actually seek our sin, but to turn away from it and go in the opposite direction. That is the first step into properly receiving the Lord. Also, to lay aside all filth and to receive the word. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. That means I have wickedness and overflowing filth in my heart. <laughs> I got to lay that aside before I come and teach, before I come and study. I got to put those things down. Remove those obstacles. Because if I have junk in my mind, if I have filth surrounding my heart, God's trying to speak to me. And those noises are drowning out his voice. I would say pray. How many of us actually come before, on our way to church, are we praying like, Lord, speak to me? God, I want to hear your voice today. I want to listen to you. Psalm 119, 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things from your law. God has some wonderful things each and every Sunday, each and every Wednesday. Every time you open up his word, he wants to show you. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That is a promise. Quote that, pray that, believe that. <laughs> when you come into a service, and you say, Lord, I'm here to meet with you, God says, yes. All right, let's work. Let's go to town. 
and he draws close to us. A couple other simple things is get some sleep. Go to bed at a reasonable time. Now it's Wednesday, right? Wednesday, you guys are maybe have gone to school. You've maybe gone to practice and different things. So let me tell you this. Drink a cup of coffee before you, before you come. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so how many guys are allowed to drink coffee? How many like coffee? Yes. You guys are my junior hires. Woo! Coffee is so good. So if you need some coffee, I would say I actually drink a cup of coffee in the morning. And then like around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, I'll drink like two shots of coffee and we'll make it here. Uh, me, Andy, Nate, and Dustin. And so that helps me get through the rest of the day. Uh, eat before you come, so that way you're not focusing on food. But try to remove every obstacle that's hindering you. Something else I want to point out, verse 5. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. How badly do you want to see God's glory? How badly do you want to see God? Is it like 50%, 80%? How much do you want to see Jesus? See, Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. And God's like, ha, ha, yeah, right. He literally said, Moses, if you see me, my glory will literally make you combust and explode from my awesomeness. That's the Josh translation. He says, you can't see me because your sinful body can't contain my glory. Did you know we need heavenly supersuits in order to retain God's glory? That's what our new resurrected bodies are going to be. Fit to see and gaze upon the triune God. But are we desiring that? Are we seeking and wanting to look at him and be with him, hear his voice, understand his emotions and his heart? God only reveals his glory to the prepared heart. If you look at the chunk of scripture, verses 3 through 5, he says, prepare the way of the Lord, because the glory of God's going to be revealed. And he's only going to reveal his glory to those whose hearts are prepared. So if you want to see God, the power is in your hands now. This truth, you can take hold of it, and say, Lord God, I want to prepare my heart. And this is all before you come to service. This is all before you come to church. This can take place even during worship. As we're worshiping, I'm praying that the Lord would fill me. The Lord would actually even empty me of myself, of my pride, that he would get rid of those obstacles in my way. And sometimes even today as I was worshiping, I was distracted. And I'm like, Lord God, I don't want to just be focused on how I'm sounding or singing, but I want to mean these truths. I want to worship you. Howard Hendricks said, worship is a personal response to divine revelation. Worship is an individual's heart's response. So when God reveals himself, it's us responding and saying, God, thank you. God, you're so amazing in living out that truth. So when we leave a Bible study, and we start to live it out, that's worship. It's not just singing. It's a response to what God has revealed to us. So that's during, or sorry, that's before a study. Now let's look at during a message. What should we do during a message? 
first and foremost. Simply, write down the dates or the events, write down the speaker's name so you know who's teaching, write down the passage of scripture, and if there's a title, write down the title. Quite simple. If I pull out one of these notebooks, I'll put out the first one so I don't get it out of order. You can see that I wrote down notes. I have the dates. I have the person's name, the passage of scripture, and that's how I do it every time. And I actually can sometimes reference this. I was like, wait, I know who taught that in the past. And I'm able to go back to my notes and see and pick that back up. Write down some other things like if the teacher has points, write down point one, point two, point three. You know, okay, I'll tell you a pet peeve of mine. When people are teaching and there's teachers and they say, oh yeah, I have five points, but they only mention like three and they never mention four or five, that drives me nuts. I'm like, I was like, wait, what, what happened to four? What happened to five? Or they skip one and I'm just like, oh. And I'm like asking other people around me and they're like, actually, he never said it. I was like, I knew it. Um, a little pet peeve of mine. Write down scripture references. Now, when you write down scripture references, I learned this in the sixth grade ministry when I was teaching VBS several years ago. Some of them were writing down the whole word, word for word, like the whole verse. And one kid's like, don't turn the slide yet. I'm still writing. I was like, why? He goes, I'm writing down the whole verse. I was like, no, 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 no. When you write a scripture reference, condense it, make it small. So if it's Nehemiah, do it in E-H and then do the verse reference. And when I'm actually taking notes and maybe it's not on the screen, I will actually write down the number first because I'm more likely to forget the number than the name. So I'll put one dot dot 14 and then I'll put the name of the book. I'll put Zach, Matthew, I'll put G-E-N for Genesis, abbreviate it, make it short and simple. And the purpose of cross-references is we use scripture to interpret scripture. The Old Testament helps us to understand the New Testament, and the New Testament helps us to understand the Old Testament. That's cross-referencing. And that's why it's important to write those things down. Write down something convicting, something that maybe the Lord kind of put his finger on and says, this is sin you need to confess. And then confess it and forsake it and leave it. Don't go back to it. And if you do go back to it, remember that God is a God of forgiveness and grace. And he's there to pick us back up, to dust us off and keep us going. Write down something new. Something that you've learned that you've never heard that before. You're like, oh man, I've never heard that before. You know who does this with me all the time is Gabe. He's going to Bible college. He called me this afternoon. He goes, Josh, did you know? And he's like so excited about these cool things um, in God's word and how the Lord's just so cool and so intricate in writing. Could, it's, so, it's cool because the Bible is so simple that kids can understand it, but it's so complex the deepest theologians can't reach the bottom of it. So write something new down. Write something down that helps you better understand the passages like time or historical setting. Write down key words that are in Greek in the meanings and the definitions. If you need help, I actually forgot to include this slide. Draw, doodle on your notes. These notebooks are yours. I used to doodle when I was in junior high, and if I had my junior high notes, it would be all a bunch of doodles throughout it, and like some notes. <laughs> um, that's how I paid attention. If I didn't have my notebook, I couldn't pay attention. My friend, Byrne, who is at Calvary Chapel, Moreno Valley, he has these uh, sermon doodles, 
And there was one time Dustin went to go teach at Marino Valley, and he was talking about working out, and he drew Dustin like working out and flexing his arm. It was pretty great. Every time he's actually like listening to a message, he'll write down only a couple notes, but then he'll draw a picture, but he can still tell you the message. So if you are a drawer, then draw throughout this teaching. Um, and look up from time to time. But most importantly, be listening because God is speaking. There might be something that God shares with you in your heart that's not on the PowerPoints and that you want to write down. He is that good. He is always speaking. So be listening. Now, here's a couple of do-nots when taking notes, okay? Don't get stuck on spelling. I'm a terrible speller, and if you would look at any of these notes, but these are my personal notes, so don't look at these, you could tell that I have spelled words wrong constantly. You guys even know in my PowerPoints, I'm pretty sure there's already been some wrong spellings. Don't get hung up on the spelling. Actually just write down what you think and how it sounds, and you will understand your own writing. And if you're like, I can't even read my own writing, the more you write, the better you'll get. Hands down. Don't get stuck on the spelling. It's okay if you don't spell it correctly. These are for you personally. No one else is going to be reading, oh my goodness, I can't believe he said that or she said that. He spelled that wrong. Don't worry about that. These are for you. You don't have to write down every slide either. Some people are doing that and are constantly like going, like writing everything down. Like don't write down every slide. You don't have to. Don't write down everything the teacher says. Because guess what? You're going to miss something. You're always going to miss something. But guess what? The Holy Spirit's so good that he is going to point out what he wants you to know in that message, in that teaching. Don't sit next to somebody that's going to distract you. I have a friend, and I love him to death. His name is Jonathan Bassey. Um, but anytime I sit in a teaching with him, he's always like kind of talking to me, or he'll say something. I'm like, be quiet. I'm trying to pay attention. And so if there's somebody that's distracting you, tell them kindly, like, hey, I want to move because you're a distraction. So you could either keep on being a distraction and I'll move, or you can stop being a distraction. And do that in a loving way. And then if you're like slouching, um, sit up straight. You know what I do? When I'm actually taking notes, I will do so many different postures. I will cross my legs like this, and I'll switch them back over, and then I'll go like this, and I'll put it aside, and I'll, and I'll, I'll literally, I, I fidget the whole time. And so if you can't sit still, that's okay. I don't expect all of you to be so like proper and not to make a sound the whole time. That's not all of you. All of us are made different. And so I just want to equip you and help you. But remember, the goal of taking notes is not getting all the details or making beautiful notes. The goal of taking notes is to hear from the Lord and not to forget what he's spoken. It's to retain it, to learn and have our minds transformed by this truth, to practice it, to live it out. In John chapter 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know me. You know when God's speaking to you, he, honestly. So, and check this out. When you take notes, you're more likely to remember 50% of what the teacher says. If you're only listening, you're only going to remember 10% of what I say. And that 10% is all the dumb stories I share. <laughs> there was one time I was talking to a uh, high schooler. He goes, Josh, I still remember your favorite car. It's an Audi A5S. And I was like, out of all things in my teachings, 
you remembered that. <laughs> and that's how it works. So, but the key to taking good notes is be a good listener, okay? When you are a good listener, that's how you take good notes, to being in tune and seeing and hearing kind of what the Lord wants to speak to you. That's what it's all about. The emphasis in the Bible is actually on hearing, not seeing. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Hear is mentioned 538 times, hearing 91 times, heard 632 times, listen 112 times, and listening seven times. God places a lot of emphasis on what we hear. And actually, listening is a hard thing to do. Did you find, isn't listening like an art? It's a lost art. And so to listen, like, intently can be very difficult. Mark chapter 4, verses 23 through 24 says, If anyone hears, or if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed to what you hear. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. I like this. He says, be careful on how or what you hear. But if you hear, more is going to be given to you. So if we take, if we take what, Jesus, or what we saw in Isaiah here where it says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. If you hear and you're writing down, God's revealing his glory. He wants to continue to reveal more of his glory and more of his glory and more of himself and more of his heart. And if we are listening, we're going to see more and more and more of God. Doesn't that get you excited? To me, that makes me pumped. So now let's go to after the study. Now that you've prepared, now that you've taken your notes, what do you do with those afterwards? You throw them away and burn them. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Obviously, I don't do that. So, you live it out. I only quoted half of a verse to you earlier. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. He says, I want to receive, but I want to live it out. That needs to be the goal of taking notes, is living out this truth, applying it to our lives, making it a part of our everyday living. I would encourage you, after you take notes, before you go to sleep, look over your notes. If you actually look over the notes that you took, you're more likely to remember 80% of the message. And if you remember that much, that truth is gonna transform your mind. God transforms our mind with truth. And if you actually look up the scripture references and read those over, the Lord's gonna use that to trans transform you. Not only that, you might find some mistakes. You might all of a sudden look up a passage of scripture and you're like, Josh actually quoted that wrong. And you can correct me. So I've, I've done that before. Look up the scriptures, but don't throw your notes away. James chapter 1 verse 25 says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. God wants to bless you. But the blessing comes in by doing those things. 
if I, I can say, if I have all these notes and I die today and I've never lived out anything in these books, these notes, and I stand before God's throne and be like, God, look at These are all the notebooks I have. Aren't you proud of me? And he's like, Josh, you never lived it out. It's on papers, but it's not written on your heart. It's on paper, but it's not actually lived out in your life. Living out this truth is more important than taking notes. So if you can only maybe write down one thing and live that out, then do that. It's better to live out one truth than to have 45 different notebooks. That's the truth. Now, why? Why should we take notes? We talked about how to take notes, but why should we take notes? Because it's biblical. Howard Hendricks said, when God wanted to communicate to humanity in the 21st century, he wrote his message in a book. Think about that. If God wanted to communicate with us, and he had all forms of communication, he didn't leave a PowerPoint slide for us. He didn't leave a picture book for us. What he left with to us is words written down in a book. You know why? Because a picture can say a thousand things, right? But it could say a thousand things wrong. That's not actually there. Words, you can't mistake words when they're written down. And God has written down his truth, his message, his heart to us. Now, the Bible does not specifically say take notes, but it does talk about how many times the word written is mentioned. The word write is mentioned 89 times. The word written is mentioned 280 times. And writing is 22 times. The very first time the word writing or write is found is in Exodus 17, 14. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrances of the Amalekites under heaven. This is the very first time God told somebody to write things down. God used Moses to write down the first five books of the Bible. God used him to write scripture so that someone else can hear it. No, notice it says for the hearing of Joshua. We write things down so other people can hear it. John was told by God and an angel to write down things that he was seeing and hearing. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, he says, Write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things that will take place after this. The word write is actually mentioned 14 times in the book of Revelation. God wants us to write his word on our hearts first and foremost, but then also to write it down. I don't understand it, but scientifically, there's something that ties your fingers and your hands to your brain and helps you to remember things when you write it down. How many of you guys take notes on computers and type things out? Several of you. You're actually less likely to remember those things that you type out. If you were to write it out with like your hand, you're able to remember way more. Now, I'm not gonna judge you either way. You do what you feel comfortable doing, and it helps you to pay attention. I personally won't stop writing. There's actually old teachers, I think Alistair Begg, he handwrites all of his notes for his teachings. He never types out anything. 
handwrites everything. I'm like, dang, that's a lot of writing. Like, my hand would hurt after a while. But God wants us to write. How many of you are actually writers in here? Does anybody actually write? Okay, cool, awesome. It actually was um, an epiphany to me when someone told me on staff, it was one of our old graphic artists, her name was Sam, and she goes, Josh, you're a writer. I'm like, no, I'm not. She goes, what do you do every Sunday and Wednesday? I'm like, give a message. She goes, how do you do that message? I was like, I write the message. I was like, oh man, I am a writer. I never thought or considered myself to be a writer. But to be honest, you see me up here. But don't compare your walk to my walk. I opened up in the beginning of this message. I've been walking with God for thir- or over 15 years. Don't compare your life with mine. Comparison is not what God wants. That's what the enemy wants. But can I encourage you? Some of you that are sitting here, you might be the next junior high teacher. Some of you that are sitting here, you might be the next junior high worship leader. Maybe that's never crossed your mind. When I sat in these chairs, that never was a thought in my mind. (laughs) It wasn't. And I am nothing special. I want to repeat that. I am nothing special. God has no favoritism. So you might see me here and you're like, oh, well, God, you're anointed by God. No, 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 no. I am a weak sinful person, and it's God's grace within me. And I took these truths, and I applied them. Have I messed up? Yeah, I have. But please don't think that you can't come to the spot where I'm at. I think many of you are further in your relationship with God than when I was in junior high. Any one of you have actually gotten prayer while you were in junior high, you're light years ahead of me. I didn't get prayer from leaders until I graduated high school. I was that stubborn and prideful. And if you're able to take these things to your heart, what you can do in the next couple of years or this two years in junior high, the one year you're in junior high, the next four years you're in high school, if you allow these truths to sink down into your heart, it's going to radically change you. And guess what? Wherever you go, you're going to be an instrument of change in other people's lives. The cool thing about Isaiah 40, can I encourage you, read the whole passage. You know why? Because this passage reveals God. In verse 9, it literally says, Behold your God. It literally means this, fix your mind on Him. And you know what it goes in to talk about? It says, who can hold the waters of the sea in the palm of their hand? That's kind of like this. If I take water from my water bottle and put it in my hand like this. Oops, I spilled. Um, That's basically God. And he holds the water in the palm of his hand. The whole entire planet. He says, who can measure the heaven space with the span of a hand? The span of a hand is from this point of your pinky to your thumb. God goes to space like that, and he measures space with the palm of his hand. Reading through this portion of scripture in Isaiah actually expands your mind. And literally, when you behold God, you will be transformed and changed from the inside out. But can I encourage you, the Lord wants to meet with you. Not only on Wednesdays, 
not only on Sundays, but those specific days do. He wants to meet you throughout the week. The question is, are we preparing the way for him? Are we saying, Lord, remove all the obstacles because I want to see you. I want to hear you. I want to know your heart and what you are thinking. I want to know your opinion, God, on my problems. And if you go in with that mindset and that heart, he will reveal it to you. Because Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13 says, If we seek God with all of our hearts, we shall find him. So, a little recap. The goal of taking notes is to hear God, to retain or to remember, remember it better, to learn, to reference it in the future, and to live it out. God wants to speak to you, but he also wants to radically change your life. And so as we take notes, can I encourage you? Pick one thing in your notes to live out and say, Lord, I want to live out this truth tomorrow, Wednesday when I, or Wednesday, sorry, Thursday when I wake up or Monday when I wake up and say, Lord, give me the grace to live this out. Now, we're not going to be perfect, but if you go in with that mindset, the Lord's going to do some radical, amazing things.